Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNinney. Which of you, by worrying, can even add one hour to his life? Matthew 6, 27. I'm the queen of the worry guts, and I tell you, it doesn't add anything to my life. It takes away, not only because it causes me so much stress, I'm in danger of having a heart attack. It takes away from my enjoyment of what I'm doing. It disturbs me, it distresses me, and it distracts me. It wastes time because in the end, the worry takes its proper place. With time, it becomes manageable as my heart and mind adjust to the change, the news, the disappointment, the thrill. The initial cause of my worries leaves me angry that I've spent so much precious time focusing on worrying. So Jesus tells us to look around at nature and learn a lesson. There are seasons and cycles, and everything works the way it's meant to. Yes, meant to, which doesn't mean predictably or always the way we want it to. The way it's meant to, the best way in the big picture, which we can't always see. I used to watch an artist on television who draw lots of apparently random lines and I try to guess what it was he was drawing and it wasn't until he swept on the final brush stroke that it all came together like God and his world plan. Worrying is absolutely fruitless because we don't know what is going to happen in the next minute, hour, day, week or whenever. Only God does. For some of it, some of us, this is part of our makeup, how we function. We've been told to hand our burdens to God and he'll help us through our difficult earthly lives. I only wish he'd share some of his knowledge with me so that I can start adding some hours to my crazy life. Good afternoon and good evening. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler. I'm your host, Vivian McNenny, and I'm going to be talking about my life as a homeschooler with my blue-eyed cowboy and our four children. The children are all grown now, but we all know once a homeschooler, always a homeschooler. And I still have plenty of up-to-date tales about the family that derived directly from their exposure during their formative years to our stellar methods of parenting. My cowboy and I are living alone together in merry old England for the moment, getting used to this thing called empty nest. God's everywhere I look, the riot of color in the trees turning, just beginning on the outskirts of the woods, the low-lying mist on the garden in the mornings, conversations with my children every day, and sacred services in the church I call home for now at the bottom of the road. We've exchanged contracts on the flat, which means deposit is in. It also means we're pointing towards the last few weeks here, filled with completely emptying the flat for the new owners to take vacant possession. Guess who the lucky pair are who get to do that? 
I'm having to make a whole new round of choices about what to take and what to dispose of, and each time I get a little more brutal. We certainly do carry a lot of material stuff around with us. Each week, I invite someone to join me during this hour, and we talk about the delights and insights of parenthood. Whether they're homeschoolers or not, we put the world to rights on the issues of child rearing. Regardless of topic, I think you'll find our chats will always speak straight to the heart of parents who put their children above their highest joy. Today, I have two guests who met in college and have remained firm friends. They're both homeschooling mums. And um, Leah Singleton was also homeschooled herself. Carrie-Anne Lysenby. Uh, her friend, they will both be joining me after the first break. I'm going to be carrying on with my look at rules and bringing home school into the home. Lunch that I had with a school friend, a welcome G&T and Dort's Dilemma. I've got a cup of PG tips again because it's still cold and nasty out there. And I don't have anything to dunk it in this week because it's Friday, not Wednesday. I wish you were here with me, but at least you can listen as I spout on while you sit there comfortably. So let's begin, shall we? And since I've been back in my homeland, it's been almost six months now. Can you believe how quickly time flies? In fact, my blue-eyed cowboy and I are confusing things we did the first time we were here with what we've done this time. Just goes to show that the nine months back in Texas are a blur now. Though we did manage to throw a few homecoming parties, have a great Christmas, marry a son off, sell the family home. So we weren't idle in hindsight. It was just like a quick coffee break. Anyway, since I've been in England this time, I've been reconnecting with girls I went to school with. I can't really call them friends because for the most part they weren't. They were just in the same place as I was at the same time. Last week, I went and had lunch with someone who was my best friend at school by default, an in-between friend. I was very young. Well, 13 was young in those days. And emotions were raging because of the hormones but I wasn't experiencing hormones, but those around me were. I was insecure. I was tall for my age. I hated my hair. My mouth was too big. I bit my fingernails. I spent a lot of time on my own. My first friend didn't last long, about half a term. Then I drifted until in the end I became friends with this girl who was quieter than I was, smaller, cleverer. She didn't seem to have a friend either. She was a bit of a drip, actually, but she was safe. And I felt that she wouldn't gossip about me or betray me. So we became inseparable until another girl happened along who took her place for the remainder of my years at school. A much more kindred spirit, I think. So this quiet friend had the bed next to me in the second dormitory I was in. The dormitory was called the Art Room. It was the showcase dorm that was shown to parents. And it was on the second floor overlooking the front entranceway of the school. It had marvellous views of the sunken gardens and the Norman church, complete with graveyard and a fountain. In fact, it had an uninterrupted vista from the bank of windows that were along the second wall of the ground stretching into the distant farmlands of neighbouring landowners. Absolutely exquisite. This fill-in friend, anyway, she left school, or at least she left Thornton at 16 so I hadn't seen her since then which is way too many years to even work out. I was told by my other friends that I keep reconnected with that she hadn't changed a bit and that all of of all of us she had aged the best. I didn't take kindly to this observation. I met her for lunch and found out 
what she did after Thornton. She went to school for another two years, took her A-levels. She said she went to college, obviously. Then she got married and she had children. And during our meal, I tried to remember the girl I used to know, but except for the rather rectangular shape of her face, I would have walked right past her in the street, as I probably would have walked right past several of the other ladies that I used to go to school with, (laughs) or we had in common with the five years at school. Her father was in oil and remarkably enough had spent many years living in Houston after Bar rain where this friend was um, while we were at school together. Her parents now live in Florida where my friend goes regularly for visits. So it's quite a small world and if we'd kept in touch after school it would have been even smaller. She's now an accountant married to an accountant with two children. One's a doctor with another one has a master's in political science and um, I doubt whether we'll be in touch again unless I'm here for a union at the school. I found her looking blankly at me as I described the London I was discovering as if she hadn't considered enjoying the commons and the parks, the old churches and castles, the cobble streets and the way of life. I suppose if you live here all the time and have done all your life, then the novelty of London gets pretty humdrum. Not for me though. Before we leave, though, I am going to meet up with a friend I went to school and college with again because we do have things in common like dance and theatre and vibrant personalities. It's so odd reconnecting with people you were at school with. I think my children as homeschoolers have friends whom they are still with because they chose them based on interests and hobbies, not because they sat next to them in class or slept next to them in the dormitory. Always on the lookout for interesting things for my blue-eyed cowboy and I to do, I found a gin distillery off Fleet Street, which is where the newspapers reside. We found its address on a little side road called Bride Lane and walked past it twice until finally the owner had to come out and wave at us. The cost of entrance included a large gin and tonic, which since it was Friday, we accepted graciously. The tour was um, made up of five people And we were encouraged to ask questions as we stood in the distilling room, which was really all there was to it. We learned that gin is just raw alcohol flavoured with juniper berries and other citrusy enhancers, depending on the individual palate of the distiller. Juniper has to be in there somewhere for it to be called London Gin. Small distilleries have only come into their own in England since 2008, so the micro-businesses are new. The food inspectors paid this one little distillery a visit recently, the owner was telling us, and they didn't have a clue what they were looking for since it wasn't a restaurant, so he offered them a good drink and they went away happy. The kitchen where they bottled the finished product was even less impressive. It consisted of three tabs where they hand-fill the bottles, they cork each bottle by hand... They dip it in liquid wax and stick on the labels all by hand. Nothing mechanical or factory like here. I think he said they produce about 400 bottles a week, but they're in stores like Harrods and Fortnum and Mason's, places none of us would normally shop. Texan and I bought a bottle to take home with us, but we had to stop at Sainsbury's to buy one of their own to drink immediately since our taste buds had been tickled. And no one can be satisfied with just one G&T, can they? And sometimes cooking at home becomes a burden for my blue-eyed cowboy. And I have to admit, he's very good at coming up with meals every day of the week. There are only so many salads one can eat in a week. So every now and again, a break from the chopping board is in order. And I jest about the salads. 
sort of, because at the weekends we have more than a plate full of greens. Last week we didn't do anything wildly exciting, but we took ourselves off to the Jolly Woodman for a glass of wine. We haven't done that since Dort's left on her cruise. We sat outside and we watched people and then moved on to the chip shop and bought a large fish and chips to take home. We also had a good plate of fried cod and potatoes. We hadn't had a good plate of fried potatoes and fish um, for a few weeks. And I tell you, it hit the spot. It was so delicious. Not a green item to be seen anywhere on the plate. Bit of grease in the diet does does you the world of good as long as it's in moderation. And, you know, time for me to go on a break. So don't go far. I've got my two guests coming up in just a moment. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Are you ready to start rocking that woohoo that only you do? Because Lisa Stedman is on a mission. She will dare you, challenge you, enlighten you, provoke and empower you to bring out that inner woohoo. Lisa is an internationally acclaimed best-selling author. She is a breakup expert, a brand consultant, CEO of Woohoo Inc. and the Woohoo Radio Network. She will show you how to take your boohoo and turn it into woohoo. Get rebellious and get real. Get your dreams off the back burner. Get inspired and motivated to take action. Start rocking that woohoo that only you do in love, life, and business. She is going to be here for you every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. Only here on the Woohoo Radio Network. Familia, faith, identity, tradición. Latina life is never boring, but it can be muy dramática. So how do you coexist between the old school ways of la abuela and the new school life you're creating for yourself without losing your faith, familia, identity, or tradiciones? Welcome to Living Latina with Francesca Escoto, where culture curls and curves collide in one spicy cross-cultural conversation that will leave you begging for mas. Francesca tackles all the important issues, from politics to family values, to religion to, you guessed it, relationships and men. As Chief Everything Officer at the WOW Factor, Francesca is passionate about showing women of all cultures, ages, and lifestyles how to rock what they've got with style, sass, and smarts. Be sure to join her every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time for Living Latina, only on the WooHoo Radio Network. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. 
Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's the Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNenny. Well, my guests today are Leah Shingleton and Carrie-Anne Leesenby, who are both homeschoolers. They met in college, remained friends, and raised several children between them. Carrie-Anne is on the city council in Syracuse, where she lives and raises her children. Leah says homeschooling her own children has given her the chance to discover their unique and beautiful spirits through the projects they come up with and the impromptu conversations that are made possible through the at-home experience. Her approach to homeschooling is child-driven and her sisters tease that the children can get away with any mess just by saying, but mom, it's a learning experience. We've all heard that, haven't we? Leah, Carrie-Anne, welcome to my show. Hello, are you there? Oh, Carrie-Anne, say hello, both of you. This is Leah. Oh. Hello, hello. <laughs> well, what I, how are you both? Um, Carrie-Anne, how are you? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you? I'm fabulous, fabulous. And Leah? <laughs> I, now that I'm back on, yeah, I'm doing great. Oh, did somebody drop you off? There you are. Yeah, I it see. Dropped. Yeah, for a second. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> all, all right. Well, listen, this is how we're going to have to do this. I will ask one of you something and you can answer. And then I may or may not come back with the same question to the other one of you. So it depends how that goes. Okay. You know, sort of how long we have and how long you talk for. So what I would like is a little okay. bit of background um, from you both. So Leah, first off, tell us where you live and a little bit about your family. Okay, I I live in Syracuse, Utah, Mm -hmm. um, in the United States, and um, uh, my my mother uh, my mother has eight children, um, Mm -hmm. and my older sister um, had adopted three girls that were biological biologically related, Mm -hmm. and their family they came from an alcoholic family. There was some Mm -hmm. fetal alcohol syndrome there. Um, The schools at that time did not um, they didn't understand how to deal with that. So my sister asked my mother to homeschool the three girls that are my nieces, um, and my mom did not want them to be by themselves. Mm -hmm. And so she homeschooled myself and my younger sister and brother. And um, so that's pretty much how I... So as a a junior high, high school student, I was homeschooled um, to spend time with them since my sister was working. And yeah, my sister's yeah, 15 and, years older than I am. Um, yeah. So it was actually it, your mother want, that... Um, I have five children. It okay. was my mother who did. My sister also, when she came home from work, she would um, she would teach us math and science. So then we had to report to her. Yeah. But during the day while she was working, then my mother um, taught um, language yeah. arts and history and things yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah, and you said you thoroughly enjoyed that experience. Oh yeah, my mom was great. She would we. I mean, the one book that I really remember was *Pride and Prejudice* um, mm-hmm. by Jane Austen, and mm-hmm. we uh, would cuddle up on the couch, and my mom would read a page, and then we'd all go around reading, and we would giggle, and we would swoon over Mr. Darcy, and it was the best experience ever. And we watched four different versions of films made about. 
Pride and Prejudice. And mm-hmm. so it was it was a great experience. She made us really love literature. And, um, mm-hmm. yeah, it was, it was fantastic. I hadn't ever experienced that in the public school system. So it was no, awesome. No. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the best thing about homeschooling is that you can actually take the time to um, really immerse yourself in whatever you're interested in or whatever one of your children are interested in and, you know, sort of nurture that time and make it special. Yes. Yeah. That yeah. Was, well, Kerry, Kerry, Kerry Ann, um, you tell me, Kerry Ann, how you got involved in um, the homeschooling and um, a little bit about your family. I would love to. I had um, never heard of homeschooling until I was in college, and I worked with a girl who had been homeschooled her whole life, and I was so intrigued. I'm sure she thought I was quite impertinent, but I just pelted questions at her and was so curious. She seemed so confident and so able to handle any task that was given her, and I was so impressed. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, I had not met my husband yet, but I decided right then and there that I would homeschool my children. Thank goodness, when I met him, he was agreeable, and um, we had six children. Mm -hmm. Um, My youngest is now nine, and my oldest is almost 21 next week, Mm -hmm. and um, it's just been a wonderful, wonderful adventure. Mm -hmm. Gosh, that's that's a a good age span there, because you've got... um, one of the questions I was going to say is where do you think the advantage lies when, when your children are all, you know, in mixed ages as opposed to in school, especially since you went to school, Kerry Ann, um, you know, sort of in schools, all the children are the same age in their classroom and they're encouraged to mix with their peers that are the same age. And yet in homeschool, I mean, it sounds like in yours, you have a pretty wide range of ages going on. Yeah. Well, I I love that because mm-hmm. each age and each developmental um, sector, they just see things so differently and they perceive things so differently. And I often will teach to the oldest in the group. Um, the other day I taught for two hours on tensile strength and elasticity, and we just had the best time. And they pick up what they can, and sometimes the younger ones pick up things the older ones don't. And mm-hmm. I think it's just so helpful for the kids mm-hmm. to have multiple age ranges in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and Leah, what were the ages when you were at, at home homeschooling with the three siblings that were adopted by your sister? Let's see. Um, the oldest was a year older than I, I was, and mm-hmm. then there was one... Um, a year younger, and then my younger sister, so that we were when you know we were uh, fourteen, thirteen, twelve, and eleven. But then mm-hmm. um, my brother was, I think, nine, and then my my little sister was five. The youngest was five years old. Yeah. So, yeah, there was quite a variety. Um, I remember many times um, sitting with my sister and tutoring her mm-hmm. when my mom was a little busy, and I actually uh, there was a step in mathematics that. Um, and somehow I had skipped in school, and by helping mm-hmm. my sister, I relearned it. So it benefited me to teach her. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, that, I think that's what a lot of... Yeah, that's what a lot of homeschooling parents say, that 
you know, when when they're teaching their children, when they're when they're reading things with their children and learning alongside them, that you know they get such a lot from it. You know, they they learn things that they never learned at school, and and you know it's just as enjoyable for them as it is for the children. Do you find that, Leah? Oh, definitely, definitely. Mm-hmm. I I learn more than I did in all the twelve years of you know K twelve. Yeah. I, I've learned more in the years homeschooling my children. Um, this mm-hmm. morning, my um, my uh, 14-year-old was helping um, my 6-year-old uh, make a list for Santa and helping him to write. And it was it was so neat to watch the bonding and the interaction that was there. And um, my 14-year-old learned to spell a new word because she had spelled it wrong, and then I corrected her. But through helping him... She learned to spell a new word, so I mean that's mm. that's what the benefit of it. Yeah, absolutely. And um, Carrie Ann, with your children, now you've got you say you have a twenty-one-year-old, so um, you've graduated at least one of your children because I don't know the ages of your others, and moved them on maybe <laughs> to college or to some kind of internship. Tell me a little bit about your your older your older students. Okay, I would love to. My oldest um, son went to, uh, he took one class in high school. He was very curious and wanted to take chemistry. And so he mm-hmm. went, excuse me, to the local high school and he took a class in chemistry. And um, he did very well. And his chemistry teacher recommended him to the to the local, um, to one of the local universities mm-hmm. to do a semester there in chemistry. And he enjoyed that. He excelled in that. And after that experience, he was 16 and he applied. Um, he felt that he was ready to go on to college and he applied to a local university and took the ACT, uh, the residual ACT there. And did very well, and they offered him a four-year scholarship. So he wow. went down to school about four and a half hours away from us at 16. So that was quite quite unnerving for me as a mother, but um, yeah. he did very well. He did three semesters, and then he left to serve a mission for his church. He is in Madrid, Spain right now, but will be returning in January, and will go right mm-hmm. back to school to pick up where he left off. So right. he's had a wonderful experience. And my second, my daughter, um, decided at 17 that she was ready to go to school. And so I, uh, we, you know, looked into local colleges and she chose one that she felt she wanted to go to. And um, she had done ballroom dance for three years and she really wanted to be on a college team. And so we took her down. She, again, took the residual ACT at that school, they accepted her, and she uh, auditioned for the ballroom dance team and was accepted on the ballroom dance team. And so she had a wonderful year last year on the ballroom dance team at that school. And this year, she auditioned for the debate team and was accepted mm-hmm. on the debate team for this year and received a scholarship for this year for being on the debate team. And she'll be traveling with them to mm-hmm. Paris. Well, we have spring. to we have She's- to go on a really short break but we will be back to continue in just a few moments
How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. It's not just time for a change, is it? It's much bigger than that. Can you feel it? It's time for a transformation. Will you now imagine that you can and will transform your life? Will you suspend your disbelief and imagine that all things are not just possible, but probable? Imagine that you will meet guides, mentors, and trusted friends who believe in you, hold your hand as they point the way, and teach you to trust your own wisdom. The first of these friends is spiritual girlfriend, Gail Carruthers. Gail will show you how to believe. Believe your perfect divine wisdom will reveal your worthiness. Believe that knowing your power will open your boundless courage. Courage to live consciously, fearlessly, and joyfully. And then know, know all these things are already here and waiting for you to bring them into your divine life. She is here to help you discover, believe, and know. So join Gail, your spiritual girlfriend, every Friday at noon Eastern Standard Time. Only here on the Woohoo Radio Network. Have you been laid off, fired, downsized, right-sized, or re-engineered out of a job? Are you unemployed or anticipate that possibility? Then tune in for Successfully Unemployed, hosted by Alan Sherwood, MBA, president of Sherwood Consulting Service. Successfully Unemployed will provide you a hope-filled and comprehensive approach to the job search process from an author who's experienced it all. Alan and his guests will cover all dimensions of a job search, physical tasks, mental attitude, emotional health, even one spiritual perspective. All must be integrated in order for a person to be successfully unemployed so they can then be successfully employed. This show is designed to help you move forward from job loss to finding or creating more fulfilling work. For more on Alan Sherwood, MBA, and the show, check out his website, SuccessfullyUnemployed.com. Then join us for Successfully Unemployed with Alan Sherwood, MBA. Thursday nights at 8, 7 Central here on Toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Well, Carrie Ann, it certainly sounds as though you've had some success with your children going off, or they've had the success. Well, you have too. You have. You both have going off to college. Um, and one of the questions that I get a lot from from new homeschoolers is, you know, one day their own children will graduate. Will they have learned enough? Will they pre- be prepared enough? They worry, you know, about this. What What yeah. advice, Carrie Ann, would you give? Um, since you've let a couple of your children, maybe three even, um, go and, and, you know, they're forging their own paths right now. How, what would you say to these, um, you know, questioning parents who haven't quite got there yet? Well, you know, I love that question. And I that's one of the reasons I've enjoyed homeschooling my kids so much. And the answer I would give would be to not stress about it because Mm -hmm. kids are little learning machines and they pick up whatever they can and they incorporate and they integrate the information that they receive from from what we do as parents but also from the world around them. And Mm -hmm. I've just found in my experience that 
although I did stress a lot with my first and asked myself the same questions and others, as Leah will remember, um, <laughs> I, I did, I found and I grew in the confidence that really they do learn and pick up all kinds of useful information and they remember it because it was their choice. And I think so often, especially in, in other learning environments and options that are not so child-driven, that we think that we can just pour information into the tops of their heads and that they will assimilate and accumulate. And, and really what I found is this, this, the child-driven lessons and the child-driven experiences are much more valuable to them than learning experiences. Mm. Well, Leah, you're on. You're on the verge. <laughs> you have a 16-year-old, and you just heard <laughs> Kerry. You've just heard Kerry Ann say, "Don't stress." But you know, I bet I don't care how many people tell you that with your first child, you are that is still going to happen because you always think, "Well, maybe they did it differently to me. They don't know what I did and what you know." So, how are you feeling at this moment? Well, having Carrie Ann. Um, kind of go before me has been wonderful because I've, I watched both of her children struggle when they were younger and have a hard time maybe with concepts in mathematics or, um, you know, different things that they were struggling a little bit with and then watch them conquer it and overcome it and, and it really excel. So that gave, gave me a lot of hope. And um, my daughter has started some college classes um, locally here and she um, had to test and, um, I knew that she liked to read a lot. I mean, she was always in her room reading something. But uh, she she just um, scored really, really high on the test for um, language arts. And I was I was amazed because I had no idea that she would do that well. She very much um, has educated herself in that way. I taught her to read, and from there she took over. She just reads mm-hmm. lots of classics and, and loves it. Um, and so that has helped, and I think she was less afraid to go and take those tests um, because she had seen Carrie Ann's children go through it. And, they, you know, they, they're sort of like cousins in that way, that they, they're, you know, the, the older cousins that show the way a little bit. So, mm. And I, mm. in, in my own experience, um, I did well on ACTs, and that's how I was able to get into college. So um, you really don't have to have the grades of transcript. It's really not necessary. So No. No, and you know um, what I'm yes, hearing. My yeah, um, what I what I'm hearing from both of you is that um, your children, um, if they're motivated enough to do something, and they're allowed to follow, you know, what they're interested in, at their own pace, in their own way. That eventually, if there is a topic, like for example, my, my son really wanted to work with animals, but he wasn't really that keen on math and science. But he knew that if he didn't do that, then he wouldn't be able to realize his dream. I knew that if I tried to force him, it would just wear me out. Trying, you know, I'd be beating my head against a brick wall trying to get him to do the math and science. He had to want to do it desperately enough to be able to do it. And he did. And they, they, he surprised me. And, you know, your children will, in the end, if they're passionate enough about something, they'll, they'll, they'll amaze you. <laughs> well, Absolutely. If I remember right. Oh. Is that Carrie Ann? I, I, I remember. Um... Hello? Oh, I was just saying absolutely. I'm so sorry. 
I totally sorry. agree with what Vivian just said. <laughs> uh, I remember uh, Carrie Ann's second daughter uh, pretty much dragging her mother along to do things. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Yeah, she she knew what she wanted, and she just dragged her mom along. It was yeah, it was neat to see that. Yeah. That's marvelous. But then you've got other children, and I'm sure you do too, because you both have one. One of you, Carrie Ann, you've got six. Leah, you've got five. All your children are going to be different. So there are going to be some that you think, oh, what is their niche? What are they? What are they going to be passionate about? Because it's not always evident, is it? You know. So what do you do in those oh, no. situations when you have a child that, you know, you don't really know where they're going? Leah, do you have one of those? Yes, um, my middle child, um, he we struggled and struggled to teach him to read. Uh, the girls, it was really easy. I mean, they just sat down, I taught him the phonics, they picked it up, and that we were on our way, and he struggled and struggled and struggled. And um, about two years ago, he was reading 14 words a minute. I don't know how, if you know how excruciatingly slow that is. It's very slow. And he was 10 years old. Um, and I thought, how is he going to provide for a family? How is he going to function? Um, mm-hmm. We took him to a specialist that um, said he was probably dyslexic. Um, mm-hmm. But I just I worked with him, and her advice was, make sure he feels comfortable and loved, and his brain will sort it all out. And mm-hmm. um, I just patiently sat with him. Um, he went from, in, within two weeks that year, he changed from 14 words a minute to 85. His really? brain just got yeah. it. And mm. he just, yeah, it just, he just took off. And um, he still doesn't read the classics I want him to read because that's not his thing. That's his sister's thing. He, mm-hmm. um, you know, I can read them out loud to the family, and he'll kind of listen and absorb a little. But he loves mechanics. He can take anything apart and fix it and put it back together better. Yeah. Um, he's amazing that way. So mm-hmm. that's his that's thing. And I had to accept that because that's not me. So that was a, yeah. that was harder for me to accept, but I can see the value, and I can see how he can function fully in society, um, doing it his way. And yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And and if along the line, if along the road, he finds he's got to, um, you know, sort of pass a test in something that he's is not interested in he'll he'll find out about it and and you know he'll he'll be able to he'll have all the tools that you gave him at home school um to go and research and and discover how he can succeed in in whatever it is that he wants to succeed in so that's the that's the um advantage i think of homeschool as a self-motivated carrie ann you said that when you went to college that you were really impressed by this this other student who was very confident and very able. Now, quite honestly, a lot of times in, uh, you know, homeschoolers don't hear those words. They hear unsocialized, don't know how to mix, you know, how can they get on in the world if they're just sheltered at home? So you saying that it was just, is just wonderful, you know, that, that you found this homeschooler who was confident and able. And my children were always described like that too. Um, I have a question. For um, for well, let's let's say Leah answers first. Um, education in uh, as such, if your child isn't particularly academic and doesn't particularly want to go to college, um, but has has been successful as one of your students in your homeschool, they can still come out of their of their environment, their their academic environment, 
as, um, you know, educated. What does that mean? Because for so many people today who don't homeschool, education means, a, you know, a piece of paper, a degree. You've got to have something to show for it. So, Leah, what does it mean to you um, for someone to be educated? I think an educated person um, is well-rounded in that they understand um, in a conversation basic things that people are generally speaking about. They understand Mm. what's going on politically. They understand Mm -hmm. um, what's going on economically. Um, Mm -hmm. So uh, many people will, quote-unquote, be educated, but they trap themselves into one niche, and then they really can't function if they go outside of that niche. So being well-rounded and being able to interact with multiple levels of ages, um, ethnic groups, um, any social situation, to me, is a truly educated person. Mm. And um, I don't know if you would call it emotionally educated, but being able to um, empathize, to be able to listen, to Mm -hmm. be able to um, satisfy people's needs and desires. and that, those, those are, that's just a recipe for a very good business owner. So, um, yeah, yeah. you know, a child that isn't, quote-unquote, that doesn't necessarily want to go on to college. I mean, I would never force my children to. I might encourage them. But um, <clears throat> they, could, they could be very effective um, business owners. And there are, I, mm. I mean, there are many examples of um, multimillionaires who <laughs> didn't really have a phenomenal um, education, quote-unquote, but who understood how to be well-rounded and how to find needs and fill those needs, and that's why they're very successful. Absolutely. And, and Carrie-Anne, do you, have, do you have a few thoughts on that? I do. I agree with everything that Leah said, but I also, I think a truly educated person isn't necessarily somebody that has within their capacity at any given moment the answer to everything. But that can, that knows where to find it and that will look into things and will continue to learn and, and grow and grasp the world around them into their late adulthood and, and beyond. And, you know, I, I know that studies show that those who read regularly when they're older continue to expand their brain capacity. And I just think it's so important as a society that we all continue to realize that that K through 12 is not, you know, stamp stamp on your forehead and you're done and, and you've been baked in the oven and now you're a finished product. Yeah, um, but yeah. that we all we have continue to... to learn and grow. And... We're going on another really short break. We'll be back in just a few moments, just for a few minutes, okay? okay. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Chances are you didn't give birth to Einstein. So why are you trying to raise your child to be like him? Welcome to Stop Raising Einstein with your host, Tara Kennedy Klein, Woohoo Radio Network's parenting show dedicated to helping you release the myth of the perfect parent and discover the unique brilliance in your child and you. 
Tara and her panel of amazing, intelligent, and sometimes off-the-wall guests will share the tips, tools, trends, and techniques available that will help you stop raising Einstein and start relishing your role as a proud and present parent. Join her every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Central Standard Time for Stop Raising Einstein, only here on the WooHoo Radio Network. Are you the kind of parent who just wants their kids to live the life of their dreams? Well, grab your kids and join How to Raise a Millionaire Radio with Ann Morgan James and Jack James. It's a lively interview and call-in show, Thursday, 6 p.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. This dynamic mother and son team are on a mission. They want to empower kids to dream big and go after those dreams with gusto. They want to fill the world with kid entrepreneurs. Are your kids ready for success? Don't miss their fun annex, lively guests, and discussions. For more on Ann and Jack and their show, check out their website, howtoraisemillionaire.com. Then join the conversation of lively interviews and call-ins, and let's give our kids the tools and encouragements they need to build a future they can bank on, no matter what the economy throws their way. It's How to Raise a Millionaire Radio with Ann Morgan James and Jack James, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Well, ladies, I'm going to keep you for five more minutes, and I want to ask you, Kerri-Ann, what do you do outside the homeschool? Do you have do you have something that you do outside of homeschool just to kind of get away? Oh, <laughs> that's a good question. Um, I don't know that you could really call it getting away, but I do. I serve on the city council, as you said in your opening comments, and in my local community, and I also am the Utah Legislative Associate for uh, the Utah Home Educators Association. So I I review the bills every legislative session and screen them for educational issues and um, just keep an eye on what's happening with education in Utah for the, for the Homeschoolers Association. So that keeps me quite busy, at least during the session and, and a little bit yeah. outside of yeah. the session during the year. Um, so was this, was this that, something that you were attending? Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to ask if this was oh, something was that you were doing it. at college. Yeah. Oh, um, no, I actually studied anthropology in college, okay. but I've always been intensely interested in the political, uh, yeah, um, what am I trying to say? I can't remember the word, but I'm just really interested in, in the political landscape. That's what I was yeah. looking for. Yeah. And I, I like to be involved and I like to feel like I'm making a difference and um, putting my voice out there as, as yeah. one of many. And I just enjoy that. So. Wow. So that's, that's quite a difference from homeschooling, being a homeschool mom to being, you know, heavily involved in your city council and politics. <laughs> you have to be a tactful person, I'm yes. sure. 
<laughs> All right, Leah, your turn. What do you do outside outside your home school to get away? Or I'm sure you do, but you may not. So um, tell well, me. <laughs> no, I I love to paint. I fancy myself okay. an artist, and so I paint. I teach art classes um, occasionally. Um, mm-hmm. I help to illustrate my sister's book. Mm-hmm. So um, that's what I do when I want to unwind. And, uh-huh. Do you get to do it very often? Is, so. um, yeah, probably. Well, every afternoon after I feel like school's been done enough and everything's stable and everybody's just kind of playing with friends or relaxing, I'll go lock myself in the bedroom and paint uh-huh. or, or draw. And then I teach two classes a week. So, right. And, I, you know, I. So, that, yeah, that's. Ann and I, um, we're very, it's, it's interesting, we're such good friends, but we're very different um, personalities, but I think we just yeah. respect each other's personalities. So do you, do you so ever pull we, your resources and do a, do you do a mini family co-op between the two of you? Do you teach her children art and she comes in and does the political science oh, or yes. anthropology every Monday, with yours? her daughter, yes, um, yes, every Monday her daughter comes over um, to do an art lesson with my daughter and I. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Because her daughter is a very, very talented artist, and mm-hmm. um, and then Carrie Ann has uh, numerous times taught uh, some really wonderful science um, classes for my kids, um, and uh, talked to them about um, anthropology and how it actually strengthens her faith. But um, because of things she's learned, she shared that with my kids. So yeah. you know, we yeah. fill in the um, the little gaps that maybe we don't each half. I, maybe yeah. Carrie an amazing artist. I just haven't ever seen anything. <laughs> so. Yeah. Oh, well, you see, that, that's, that's great when you can do that with your, with your friends. And that's why, you know, you sort of, you, you are friends is because you each have, you know, something different to offer the others. So I always, I always like that um, with my friends. Well, we've come to the end of our time. I've really enjoyed talking to you both. I hope you've enjoyed um, being on my show. I was talking to Leah Shingleton and Carrie Ann Leesenby. I hope I'm pronounced. I never asked you, Carrie Ann. Is that how you pronounce your name? <laughs> yes, that is correct. Good job. Okay. Well, good, good. Um, They're both homeschooling mums and they agreed that homeschooling their own children has given them the chance to discover um, their unique and beautiful spirits. And um, the homeschooling experience has brought all of them closer together as as we homeschoolers know that, siblings, parents. Um, They're blessed to have been at the crossroads of their children's lives, especially as their oldest are getting close to adulthood and some of them have even moved on. Every experience in their homes is a learning experience and one that can be taken into the world on whatever level their graduates choose to take it. I'm sure you'll agree that both Leah and Carrie Ann are encouraging examples for all of us who choose to go this route with our children's education. Thank you so much, both of you, for taking time to be with me today. You are refreshing voices, I tell you. You have a lovely weekend. Thank, Thank you. you. Too. Bye. Well, last week I started to talk about reproducing a school atmosphere in our homes. And primarily I was considering the rules and schedules and the organized days and the hours and minutes and how boarding school cured me of all of that. Well, at least in an excessive way where a child had no hope of being quiet by herself to think her way through growing up. 
I met rules before I arrived at my convent school. A detailed list of required uniform was sent to my parents. Name tags had to be sewn onto everything. Sheets, towels, knickers, socks. There was the instruction about my own, as opposed to uniform, clothes. I was to bring one dress and one dress only that I could wear for half a day at the weekend. And I could not take any of my own shoes. I had to wear my uniform shoes, which were horrible, with my pretty little dress that I had chosen to take. On arrival through the giant front doors, I was bustled off to my dormitory. And there were three of us in this one little dorm. And I was shown the wardrobe I was to share with two other girls, the chest of drawers. And then I had my own bedside locker and wash basin. I unpacked and was introduced to the massive real live gong in the main entrance hall that managed our lives. Of course, at the time, I had no idea what the resounding booms meant, but I was its voice when struck echoed loudly through the manor house where we all dwelt we could also hear it in the far reaches of newly constructed classrooms adjacent to and away from the main building we could hear it in the tower of the original house in the dormitories off the main gallery that wrapped around the central grand hall we heard it in the attic rooms and in the library the drawing rooms and the kitchens a distant crash could be heard out in the laundry which was attached to the back of the house forming the second quad wall in the cobbled courtyard where I imagined foot-weary horses of the Norman Conquest must have stamped and whinnied as they were unbridled and led to their stables for the night. There was no gong-free zone anywhere. Three times a day it was sounded for meals. Those were three staccato raps repeated twice, three times a day for prayers, two strikes repeated twice. A single strike meant a class was ending and a new one beginning. The end of the day was was denoted with a resounding clang of five evenly spaced gongs. Then it was covered and silenced for the night like a bird in a cage. And, you know, we would take it in turns to be in charge of the gong when we were older. I remember I was in charge of the gong. I had to have a watch at that point in my life. That didn't last very long. Released from the ear-shattering irritant, we became subjected to a silent, but nevertheless more demanding timekeeper, the lights. After evening prayers in the chapel, we'd process in the seasonal gathering gloom to our dormitories where the electric lights may be blaring depending on the time of year. Here we'd be expected to perform our evening ablutions and finish any homework before a nun came along and plunged us into nighttime darkness with a flick of a switch and silence until the morning. In the summer, the enduring natural light won the battle of the switch flipping, and during exam weeks, we'd gather by the windows and study for as long as we could. In the mornings, before the gong was pressed into service again, we were subject to the fervent ringing of a handbell by nuns on duty. This sounds terrible. (laughs) They would pace up and down the dormitory corridor, summoning us to dawn mass, or with a later bell to breakfast. Not a moment went by in the first years of my school when I wasn't doing something. Thing. In between lessons or when school was finished, we went for walks after lunching crocodiles, which are walking units of three abreast. We practiced our musical instruments after tea. We made our beds after breakfast. We ate meals and were served snacks at regular intervals. We did our homework together before supper. We bathed according to timetables. We played hockey or lacrosse, tennis or rounders, depending on the term. We all washed our hair on the same day according to dormitory. We wrote letters to family and friends 
stones on Saturday mornings. We went to tuck shop according to class. We polished our indoor and outdoor shoes on Saturday afternoons. We said matins on rising, the Angelus at noon and Compline in the chapel. And my favorite prayer was said in the evening. And it summed up my day. For everything, there is a time A time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to throw stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace embrace and a time to refrain. Ecclesiastes 3 verses 1 to 8 time somewhere during the six years i ceased wearing a watch a habit that prevails to this day from the early morning bell to the flipping of a light switch i was accounted for and gainfully employed there was no such thing as free time until we got into the sixth form and had to study on our own for our a levels it's a wonder none of us ran away or simply refused to obey all the silly signals that controlled our lives i suppose we had nowhere else to go And it's time for me to hightail it to the pub again. This time I'm meeting up with my hairdresser friend from upstairs. We're off to an art exhibit at the Tate Britain this week and a shindig at the O2 Arena, where I've never been, so all go for us. On Monday, it's Funyun Day for my firstborn, which means I have to find someone to take a bag of these savoury treats to him as he knows, so that he knows that he's remembered on his due date. I was due on September the 30th with him and he arrived four days three days later on October the 3rd so we always have celebrate his due days and so without further ado I'll say thanks to my handsome husband who believes in love at first sight our four children who are the result of that belief the hard-working staff at Toginet Radio my guests this week Leah Shingleton and Kerry-Ann Leesonby and you my faithful listeners especially Hannah Joel Rosemary Kathleen Esme Millicent Margaret Jacob Walter Jane Olivia Tina and oodles of others who are part of my growing audience stay tuned all the time and catch lots of shows to glide you through your day take care and be safe may the lord bless you and keep you may the lord show you his kindness and have mercy on you may the lord watch over you and give you peace Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian.